everybody. Welcome in to Empty Your Q. Uh, my name is Justin, and with me today is Cameron. Hello. And today we are going to be breaking down uh, the newest Spike Lee joint, The, the Five, Five Bloods. Bloods. It's uh, on Netflix. It came out this last week. This last Friday. And uh, why don't you... Dating this one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> A week ago today. Yes. So why don't you run down really quick what it's what it's about? So it's a uh, caper. It's a um, like Tabor historical 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 fiction. Right. Yeah. It's like a fictionalized account of Vietnam. Well, so it's okay. So it's the story of these five bloods. <laughs> uh they are in Nam. They uh discover gold. They hide the gold. They're going back to Nam to not only get one of their fallen buddies, but also this gold and bring it back. Right. That's kinda like if you're like, hey, here's the synopsis, <laughs> it's this fun you know, bringing the band back together. Right. We got to get that one, like, you know, getting a crew, getting our crew together to do that one last job and get that big score that we've always been after type of thing. Uh, but it is not really that. No, not. I mean, there's like, there's like, that's, that's the, the, um, the vehicle you use to also make a huge point about the black experience in Vietnam, the horrors of the military industrial complex, and uh, imperialism, American imperialism, and a litany of other things. Yeah, this really, like, it It covers so many things, I think. And, like, one of the, so, they say in the movie, too, they're like, yeah, we planned on coming back a lot sooner. Like, all of them are 50 or 60, at least. Yeah, they're 60. They're at least Going above back 60. To yeah. get to get uh, their old commander, Norman. And this gold that they that they heard of and found, it was like this this American gold, this American plane gets shot down. So yeah, basically the DC fifteen is shot down somewhere in the jungle of Vietnam, and these five bloods or this like elite unit essentially is these five guys. Is yeah, they're tasked. like they're like the first black regiment. I think. Yeah, they they're the, I think they're the first infantry. Um, they're uh, tasked with going in and getting this cachet. Essentially, it's supposed to be like bribe money, I think, for the Vietnamese yeah. government from America. Yeah, exactly. It's like it's gold, and um, it's a lot of gold. A lot. It, it is a it's, crate. I think it they the total is like seventeen million in gold. I think yeah, I think it's like seventeen million. Yeah, it's like a crate that could not be more full of gold. Yeah, like it's a it's like a video game size crate of gold. And they find it, and uh, they <laughs> just do a whole podcast on gold. Yeah, right. <laughs> And they're uh, they're the squad leader Storm and Norman, who's played by Chadwick Boseman, uh, is like, "Hey, I got a really good idea here. Let's bury this and come back for it, and take this as re- as reparations and give it to back to our community. Give it back to the black community because the the underlying like the subplot A is, and it starts off with Muhammad Ali talking. Like this movie opens." with actual footage of Muhammad Ali talking about the Vietnam War when he was, you know, under scrutiny for draft dodging and everything. Right, for not... For being saying, like, oh, why would I go to a country and kill brown men, men lighter than, you know, men almost my color, in a country that's never called me the N-word, that's never shot a gun at me, that's never tried to lynch me, why would I go over there and kill that man in the name of a country that doesn't care about me? Right. And that's like subplot A about this is 
why would you die for something that doesn't give a shit about the, you? Yeah, that never do has anything. Yeah, and so there's a lot. Like it taps into a lot of that too, because, and I'm sure we'll probably talk about Delroy Lindo's performance a lot here. Yeah, but he's incredible, and his character Paul is like the like the perfect embodiment of like a disenfranchised veteran, where he's he's so beaten down and and lost faith in. I guess in the system, in the yeah. The so they're system. all they're all kind of disenfranchised veterans, though, in a way, because there is an under a uh, subplot B would be the factor that the Veterans Association has failed its veterans. Yeah. Uh, no matter if you know, there's dudes who have there's guys who have money in the group, and there's guys who you know don't have money in the group. But either way, they're not being prescribed proper pills or care towards right. things yeah they don't have anything i think the one otis who puts the whole thing together is like yeah i've got i think it's like vicodin or oxycontin yeah or he's just prescribed oxycontin which he's is like, like, hey, my like hip kind of hurts and they're like Here's yeah a bunch of exactly which is kind of what happens and right. it's like it's just like here's opiates yeah which is subplot c the vietnam war kind of being about most likely controlling the opiate game which is leads into the middle east war but that's more of a conspiracy that, theory. Yeah, like that's, that's not a conspiracy but like all you have to do is follow the opium and you'll probably find a war around it oh yeah uh so in the middle east you have oil and opium that's afghanistan has some of the largest poppy fields mm-hmm. uh in the world so in, in and the so world. did the so did vietnam at the time the oh, golden yeah, yeah. triangle that was, a was huge, yeah was literally the biggest heroin manufacturing area in the world at the time. So, yeah, there's that. So, <laughs> I, I realized, too, I forgot. I just checked because I have a bunch of notes. I just checked and I forgot. Um, so, the reason they it takes them so long to go back is because the field they bury it in, they place all these markers so they can find it. And then I guess they say in the movie, like, two weeks after they left, it got napalmed beyond recognition. Yeah, and then basic, like, erosion and movement So they couldn't, land. yeah, they had to wait until there was a couple big mudslides to, like, pull up, like, old yeah. things. That they were like, oh, we think we found it now. Yeah, they find the tail of the plane for right. which it was hidden in. And they tell the American government and the Vietnamese government that they're going just to get their commander's body. They're yeah. going to get Storm and Norman's body. And so it's like they have special permission to go and like unprecedented access to get in. And then, of course, like I was surprised because this movie's two and a half hours long. And like within the first hour, they're close to finding the gold. Yeah. So I was really surprised. I was like, oh, so this is going to be a lot more than just these guys find this gold. Okay. Yeah, There's a lot a more lot to this more. movie. Yeah. And well, because like, it so and it doesn't only just open with uh, Muhammad Ali. Uh, it opens with. Um, actual footage from the vietnam war yeah there's all sorts of Um, actual and archival footage through this movie yeah i forget what the name of the massacre in cambodia is um fuck i can't remember oh my god uh khmer rouge Mm -hmm. that's what it is so it has uh the cambodian genocide that occurred I want to say it was 1975. Yeah, it's like right before the fall of Saigon, if you will. Mm -hmm. Um, The Khmer Rouge, which literally just goes into Cambodia, or at the time is a ruling factor faction in Cambodia, and starts 
murdering its citizens. And it has actual footage shown from that. It's a very famous picture of a like Cambodian general shooting a guy in the head. Mm-hmm. And it shows the actual footage of that, something you really don't see, where it shows the guy get shot. You watch him drop and blood pooling out of his head. Yeah, it's really and it's, you know, like you actually watch a real human die in a way that you watch in movies, like the movie yeah. you're about to watch. Um, it starts with the general violence. It has it in the middle. It shows you the real uh, horrors of the Vietnam War. Probably the most, you know, we'll probably get a lot of flag for me saying this, but probably the most disgraceful war in America's history. Like outside of and again. I, none of this is against veterans or anything. I'm completely speaking against the people who send the veterans to these unjust wars, wars these of yeah. what we've been in for the last 20 years ourselves with the Iraq war. Um, so it's, you know, it's just, that's America. <laughs> but And that's something this movie does really well is it never feels like you're watching like Spike Lee be too preachy. Like oh avoids, no like, that's all spike lot. lee does oh no i know but i mean like the way this is is like it's you don't feel like okay we get it like come on like you know what i mean like there's no yeah everything feeds into each other and into itself so organically well it depends on the person that you're talking to like you, we see spike lee and what he's saying in a positive way but for most people a lot of people see spike lee's stuff and say oh come on we get it like right like i'm sure there were a lot of people who voted for black klansmen in the uh oscar <laughs> right <laughs> whoever votes for the oscars uh the academy the academy um who probably say oh come on we get it mm-hmm. you know but are the same people who want to make sure that it's a white host or well, the green book gets best picture. green book gets best fucking picture um but it the exploration of the horrors of Vietnam through the black experience, through the men who were sent out first, effectively. Yeah, essentially they were um, just the first yeah. line of defense. And you don't get that from any movie. Uh, so this was originally supposed to be an Oliver Stone film. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. I had not heard so this was a script. I forget the two guys who wrote it. It was written by two white guys. Yeah. It was a, originally set to be a caper. That was four um, Vietnam veterans hid this gold long ago and go back to get the gold and, you know, hijinks ensue. And obviously there'd be some type of musing on the horrors of the Vietnam War because Oliver Stone is a Vietnam vet. Right. And he did Apocalypse Now. Oh, no, no. He did a, a Platoon, Born on the Fourth of July. I always forget that that's Oliver Stone. Yeah. But Platoon is, you know, one of the most famous Vietnam movies. But you have Platoon, you have, uh, I believe the Thin Red Line is Vietnam, or that might be Korea. I forget. I think it's Korea. I'm not 100% sure. I think that might be Korea. But uh, you have Platoon, you have... um, Full Metal Jacket. Full Metal Jacket, Apocalypse Now. uh, All of these are white-directed, white-led movies. All you... Oh, uh, We Were Soldiers. Um, <laughs> forgot about that one. Yeah, uh, which deals with the beginning of the Vietnam War. Was Hacksaw Ridge Vietnam too? Or uh, was that? No, no. no. That, is that the that's World War Two? Okay, it is. right. Okay. That's the Andrew Garfield one. Yeah, yeah, that's World War Two. Okay. Um, is it? Ah, shit, I forget. See, I don't know. It's yeah, but either way, there's a lot of Vietnam War movies, and there's nothing from the people who were sent in first, effectively. Also, 
who were sent as for Hacksaw Ridge, who were sent in as human shields essentially uh, for the white soldiers who were to come in later. And note Vietnam when it began and when these uh, men were sent in, it was one third our military might that we sent in. So they were undermanned in the beginning. These were literal human shield. Black men were, well, the draft was 69, but then Vietnam starts in 65. Like it's, I believe like the beginning of Vietnam for American interference is 1965 and it goes to 1975 mm-hmm. uh 69 68 69 i think is the draft um but the front lines the people who were put out first were black men right so then this they were treated as cannon fodder this <laughs> script is is got by spike lee and his writing partner yes and they completely changed the whole changed like, they kept like everything. the general idea the same like, thing with black Klansmen. right as well uh, the last two he's done have been that is he basically takes these things that could have been really linear, just kind of cop out. Here's a cool story about yeah, like right. race relations stuff, fucking green book bullshit, you know? <laughs> yeah. Here's a, here's a desensitized uh, version of you a- get Spike Lee's perspective of this stuff. Who's probably one of the greatest voices on racial inequality and racial injustice that we've had in film since, anybody i was gonna say so but probably ever. <laughs> yeah and that's yeah that's something like for whatever for everything that's going on this movie really captures a lot of the same feeling like, yeah it's so clear how long that these and this was are, made well before yeah, this was made last year i think yeah two years ago. like it ends with uh martin luther king talking about injustice right and it deals with police brutality and it deals with the brutality that black people have faced in America since we uh, forcibly brought them over here on boats to be slaves. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's kind of the point Spike Lee's always been making is that since 1412, um, it's just been horrifying horrifying, oppression and brutality. And the Vietnam war we view as this brutal experience for anyone who served in it. But there's this whole other experience that no one really cares about, it seems, in Hollywood until Spike Lee like, decided hey, to no. come along and take this and make it something completely different. Right. And you get an outside perspective of... Um, hey, these are the conflicts that we're going... These yeah. people are being sent to be the front lines and to die for their country. And, uh, you but have, then they come back and can't vote or they can't... Or like, they're treated as baby killers. They're, yeah, they're treated as baby killers or they're not given... They don't get any of their rights, their veteran yeah. rights or anything like that. No, nothing whatsoever. And that's so... So Delroy Lindo in this is... Um, is super Trump. He's super MAGA. He's a hella MAGA. He's got the Make America Great Again hat and everything. And like, I remember And there's reading, super symbolism... With that fucking hat throughout. <laughs> oh, yeah. It, yeah. That's, <laughs> Just that's, pig-headed ignorance. Spike Lee's not subtle there. No. The, yeah. That's By the not, end of it, it's on this French imperialist, all dressed in white, right, played yeah. by Jean Reno. Um, so are we going to get spoilery on this? I mean, or? we can, I guess. Like, it's okay, been out for a week. It's, it's, a, yeah, so it's a deep enough topic. Like, this is a... So starting from here on out, because we haven't spoiled anything yet. No, yeah, it's been pretty spoiler-free. from so. here on out, you know, it will be spoilers. So I'll throw that in the, in the description, too. I'll yeah. make sure people know. Yeah. But uh, it... I don't know. It's just... 
it was a v- probably Spike Lee's second best film. Right. I was. I remember after we watched it because I watched it first, and then you were like, "Yeah, I'll watch it at some point." Like I do, got to check that out. We were yeah. gonna record an episode on it before you watched it. Yeah. I'm really glad we didn't because then you watched it, and we were like, "Okay, where does this rank with Spike Lee movies?" And I was like, second. <laughs> yeah, and I would put it up there too. I'd say second or third, probably. Yeah. But it's just so much more like. I, I don't want to say brutal, but like it's so unflinching in its look at like one of the one of the characters steps on a landmine. Yeah. And, and like, it's the most a, gruesome fucking thing you've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, there's not. It's yeah. so bad. Not bad, but like it's so brutal. His entire bottom half is blown off. His, his arms, arms are blown, are blown off, off and he's squirting blood out of his arms. It's like a cartoonish violent scene. But in the context of what you've watched and what you've seen and what you understand like that's why he starts it off with this visceral violence yes so you later in the movie when you have this film violence you feel the weight of that exactly and and that's also why they have to get permissions to go out in these places because there are just places in vietnam and everywhere else we've gone and tried to fucking wave our imperialistic dick around landmine fields and that's yeah that's another <laughs> side plot d of this movie is so one of so delroy lindo's son joins them and goes with them to to help because he's worried about his dad yeah he's like okay he doesn't talk to me much i know he's coming over here it's dangerous he's been having a lot of ptsd issues and nightmares and yeah. stuff and he's like subplot e yeah ptsd he's like i gotta go i gotta go keep an eye on him and help protect him even though they have such a strained relationship yeah and he meets this woman this french woman in a bar who but he also knows about the gold he does know about the gold yeah. yes that's he I does know say. about the gold but he meets this french woman in a bar and her whole thing is like she runs a non-profit group with a few a few people that literally goes around and finds these mines yeah which is what princess diana used to do mm-hmm. and that's one of the like probably also probably why princess diana was murdered Probably like my second or third favorite sequence of the movie is at after one of the bloods, I think Eddie steps on the landmine. Yeah. The son, David, also steps on one. Yeah. And there's like this tense, like five to six minute scene of Paul snaps into like snaps back to soldier mode. And yeah. It becomes. And they re- it's because they save someone from the same exact scenario. Right. They're pre- it's a pressure plate based landmine. Yeah. So, so if like, you move, move your foot, it goes off. If you keep your foot on it, it basically stays, you know, it's so they set up this whole thing that they did with this one guy back in Nam to save him from one mine in this scenario too. But I guess he probably lost his leg. I think it was. I think that's what they say. Yeah. yeah. But it's so like after, cause it happens right after Eddie blows up. Yeah. And you're like, oh, okay, where anything goes now, I guess. Like, and yeah. the tension of it is just so like, it's unbearable. A, yeah, it's like edge of your seat type shit for real. And then the second it's over, he Delroy Lindo just snaps back to like, okay, now we have to tie up all of these, yeah, these people that because just helped they know us because they know too the much and they're going to turn and, us in and try to get the gold for themselves. Like, yeah. He like has these he's moments of clarity. He's extremely paranoid. It's, yeah, it's unbelievable. And I mean, it's funny. I wouldn't say clarity because he's extremely paranoid. But like a lot of his paranoia turns out to be accurate. <laughs> yes. The whole time he's like, this Frenchman's going to really fuck us on this. Yeah. I can feel it. Oh, yeah. And he makes fun of the others for not seeing it. And then like, what happens? It's the Frenchman. The Frenchman and yeah. and like a Viet- Vietnamese like mercenary group, I guess. Like, yeah. I don't know what I would call them. And there's also another like subplot F where you have this um, idea of Americans coming yet again to take what is the Vietnamese's. At the, yeah, at this to point. To interfering in Vietnamese 
anything affairs again yeah, yeah. Uh, and as well the french too because the french basically owned that land or well not owned but they terrorized and occupied vietnam before us and then they were basically overthrown and taken out and that's why we came in as well as the as it was given to the american public the impending communist threat because it was spreading from right china to there from from russia to china to um vietnam and it's funny because it's a lot like sitting here talking about it with you it's like it's more subplots and context than i even realized watching it in the moment because like he does a an extraordinary job at balancing everything oh yeah and i and i mean like obviously like that's a spike lee thing like his movies are always packed with symbolism and deeper meanings and things that yes. require repeat viewing but i think like i mean do the right thing came out what 89 yeah and, it's and we're literally protesting about now. that yeah. right now like the end of that movie is about police police brutality towards black people and like, yeah it's like here we are again and it, even like black Klansman from a few years ago ends with the yep the present day footage in charleston and stuff. yeah and it's it's just it's so that like, movie is all about systemic racism and the good old boy bullshit yeah, yeah. Um, but I wanted to, to, to also too talk about how good Chadwick Boseman is in this movie for the three scenes that he's yeah in he's it. only got like three or four scenes but they're like some of the best scenes than like kind of really like I don't know if it's Spike Lee's like actual feelings so about the, these things two of the scenes that he's in though bleeds in from the uh, Hanoi Hannah which is an actual thing that used to go on in Vietnam where right. they'd have these radio broadcasts. And uh, I don't know if he's spot on, but that's what they would try to do is try to turn black soldiers to kind of not the Vietnam Vietnamese cause, but just like drop your weapons and leave because they don't care about you. It was like full radio broadcasts. Yeah. It's kind of like the warriors. Yeah. (laughs) But, and that's, but that's where that comes from in the warriors is they used to have these radio broadcasts where they'd have a woman with kind of a soft, sweet welcoming voice like your brother martin luther king was assassinated yeah why are you here when this yeah, is happening there you know, like, yeah exactly and then they play like there's a lot of just beautiful music cues yeah it's all marvin gay it's all from what's going on i believe uh, almost yeah i think I there's think, a couple others but i think the majority of it is is what's going on because the it's a uh acapella like isolated vocal version of what's going on that plays through most of the movie. Right. I wish I could play it here without us getting like, sued or copywritten, but yeah, it's it's beautiful. I'll try to find a link to it so people can listen to it if they haven't heard it yet. But it's absolutely beautiful, and like the the sequences, it's it's dubbed over are, like just so powerful. And so, but I, before I get sidetracked by that, so Chadwick Boseman's scenes, like yes, he only has like three or four, and yes, they're bookended with these other these little broadcasts, but like. So like in particular, the one after they hear about Martin Luther King being assassinated, the the other four bloods are like, "All right, that's it. Let's go. Let's get out of here." Like, yeah. you got to be kidding. And he he's like the voice of reason, who's like, "No, we have to stay the course because we're here looking out for ourselves. We're looking out for our own. We do this and we get this gold and we take it back and we help because that's what we can do. Yeah. Killing people and perpetuating violence isn't going to solve anything." And it's a really powerful scene where he's like, "If you want." to do that, then you're going to have to kill me first and start here because this is not what we're about. This is not what this movement is about basically. Yeah. And it's just, I, I wish there had been more of him in it, but at the same time, like the scenes are so perfectly distributed throughout the movie 
But I I think well, to add any more would be if you'd gotten the Oliver Stone version, you would have because supposedly the twist was that he was still alive out there. Oh really? Yes. Huh. Yep. Okay. Yeah, I read all this. I was trying to look into the symbolism of a lot of things in the movie because there was some like what basically was Jean Reno with the fucking Make America Great hat again hat on, being a Frenchman in this all white suit. I'm like, this is screaming symbolism, but I can't mm-hmm. really like get it. I know he's white imperialism. But it, why is he played by Jean Reno, who's French, and he's supposed to be this French character? But he also has this Make America Great Again hat on. So there's a lot to process that I wasn't figuring out. Uh, so in my readings, I came across the Oliver Stone thing and everything like that. That's awesome. I, I'm i really glad we got this version because Oliver <laughs> yeah. Stone, it would have been probably like cool. But it would have been Platoon 2.0. Yeah, pretty much. But like maybe like with Netflix money. Even though Platoon's like more like dealing with the horrors of. But honestly, like this is... <sighs> Like this takes one because it used to be for me Full Metal Jacket, mm-hmm. like just kind of showing like I still love Full Metal Jacket for showing how horrific the military is. Yeah. Again, really... any listeners, I'm really sorry. These are my personal opinions, not Dustin's. He has family members who were in the military or who are in the military. Who were. Yeah. Who were in the military. You know, thank you for your service. I do mean that. I do appreciate it, but again, I'm against the institution. It's a violent, right? You know, it's it's just violence. I mean, like even current headlines now, like not to get too off, but but like there's like female soldiers that are just missing right now. Oh, and like all their stuff got cleared out, and it's like they were never there, and it's like the families are like, "Hey, where are they?" Oh yeah, and no, like, uh, you, yeah, you want to talk about the horrors of being a no. woman in the military? <laughs> no, we'll, we'll Let, save that. We can get into that. No, I'm just saying it's this fucking boys' club. That's predicated on murder and it's under the guise of being a fucking hero and patriotism and nationalism and all that shit is fucking evil and community is a lot more unified and better than trying to defend a fucking nation mm-hmm. or this idealism because it's also americana too, with or, this too it's like what makes up the nation but the people like why yeah do it for but the like why why are you defending america what is america right what is what the, the ideal? fuck is america what let's look at our history and that's <laughs> what this fucking movie does it basically gives you this and a lot of his movies it's a lot of spike lee's movies like i know spike lee loves america he lives in america i love america but the history of America and American ideals. Like, I guess I can't say I love America because it's just drenched in blood and hatred. Like everything about American history is drenched in blood and hatred. Like we see the sixties as this beautiful time of change and revolution Mm -hmm. because the music was cool, (laughs) but like (laughs) it was really just like, upheaval and political like unrest because the vast majority of America was evil. And that's what like all the music is about too. Like it's like <laughs> yeah. all these protest songs. And all yeah. These, like, and it, and it's and it extends into the seventies and you get things like redlining occurring where it's just white people making sure they're living with white people <laughs> and it's all about just segregation. And that's kind of been our history is segregating and also touting this American idealism of right. being unified and we fight for our country and freedom. And it's like, are we really free or, you know, are we just these puppets 
uh, also and dragged along by our corporate masters. I don't mean to to jump back to like the actual like to the movie itself and to like choices and stuff, but one thing that he does too and like it you notice it right away is there's no makeup or effects to make them look younger in the flashback scene. No, I really like that. I did too. I, at first I was like, oh, that's interesting. But by the time it was over, I was like, oh, I understand. But then they do the now. makeup at the end. Yeah, you get the makeup at the end and yeah. it's way more impactful. It's because they're together again mm-hmm. in death. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. But it's um, it's a really good way to be like, oh, this is how they still see themselves. Yeah. And this is how they think back on it. It's like, oh, they never left. Oh, they're they're still fighting this war. Or they think yep. that they can still fight this war. They can still win this war. They can still be, yeah. It was an unwinnable war. That's what I really like about this and what Spike Lee does with the Vietnam War. Because it's always so... When I was younger growing up, I was always interested in war, you know, World War Two, And where I, I was, you know, I had that that complex that American complex of finding heroism in war and especially world war two. And I, you know, I had the history books. I read everything on world war two, the Korean war, uh, and everything going back. And then you hit the Vietnam war and back in the day, it's always given to you as this, we were fighting communism. Communism was spreading like wildfire. Communists had to stop communists. And then when you do your, own research it was kind of full metal jacket watching that like the end of that is like it's a female sniper who's like 15 it's, yeah, taking it's like a out kid. this platoon and it ends with them like murdering a child essentially and they're like well, and it's sh- and you're and i'm like wait what i thought we were like there's such gray area we were killing all the communists in morality what is this? Yeah. yeah and like i was like eight or nine i want to say maybe 10 or 11 no 10 or 11 when i saw full metal jacket and you know it, all this time it is heroics in war right and you didn't realize that there's like an evil side to it and yeah. then when you look into what was going on during the vietnam war and what our soldiers were doing what the viet the vc were doing just to people like ho chi Minh, people look up to or like kind of idolize but that guy was committing mass genocide right. it was, yeah it was <laughs> you mass know genocide and, and executions and, yeah for basically not believing what he believed in um and that's kind of what dictators do um, right like no matter how much you want to lionize them they all are pretty terrible one person should not be in charge of of everyone of everyone uh that was kind of like the difference between che guevara and fidel castro and why they kind of separated is because Shay was like, no, we turned this over to the people. That's what yeah, we did this power for. to the people. And he's like, no, I brought in these communists, these dudes from Russia. And we're gonna, yeah, really we got it. So we're good. Um, but this really like does a fantastic job of just showing you how unjust and immoral the Vietnam War was. And in every aspect of it, from black men being treated as cannon fodder to them, every single veteran coming back and essentially having no support or care. Right, just being branded as uh, such murderers. And- uh, for the law, I mean, now most of them have probably died off, but statistically most homeless people were Vietnam, Vietnam veterans. Vietnam veterans, yeah. Um, and, you know, it, it was so- something that a lot of men and women uh, were thrust into without even having a choice because there was a draft for this war yeah it was like Like, you're 18 you're going to war 
and it and it wasn't bodies. it wasn't like Vietnam was on our shores. It wasn't like Vietnam or the v, the VC had started even a inkling of a Pearl Harbor type scenario. Yeah, there was nothing where it could be a catalyst to us why we would go to war. It's like hey, we just it have was, to go. It was hey, we have to go. They overthrew the French. They're trying to do their own thing and they're getting backed by China, Russia, every single communist nation. And this, oh, it's a, you know, a port city. Oh, they're just taking over all of Asia. We got to stop them. And so it just became kind of the beginning, not the beginning, but it is kind of the first inkling of uh, these billionaires who are trying to protect some type of financial investment of some sort uh, through war and sending young kids off to die uh, for that. Uh, it's like, you know, little kids playing with toys in a toy box, but unfortunately the toy box is the real world and the toys are human beings. And these little kids are these billionaires who treat us all like they're the fodder. We're just treated like cannon fodder for this shit. And it's going on today too. Um, you know, again, I'm sorry, but with the Iraq war and us being occupying the middle East, it's just to defend our oil investments to defend our money. If you will, it has nothing to do with fighting for freedom or defending our freedoms. It's all about protecting the pocketbooks of the 1%. And unfortunately, the, uh, again, no offense, the undereducated are duped into joining into these, into this military industrial complex and sent off to die for God knows, under the guise of freedom. And in the Vietnam War, they had no choice and a lot of them were black and they were being sent to die by a country that wanted them to die anyway. So then it's like, yeah, it's, like, <laughs> it's not our problem now. It's and that, you know, it, it happens today too. If you don't think that military recruiting isn't more in inner cities and in underprivileged schools and things like that, than it is in your affluent neighborhoods, you're fucking crazy because that's where these recruiters are going. They're preying on young kids who are fucking hopeless. That is what it's all about is capturing hopeless humans like animals, putting them through a system, sending them to war, dehumanizing them. And, and, and then, Oh, you come back, fucking figure it out. Right. The yeah. Hurt Locker is a really good one about that too. But this this is just like I, it's so in your face and like your government does not fucking care about it. Right. You. And it's it's like only Spike Lee could do that. Yeah. Which like it's so it's in your face in that Spike Lee style, like I said before, without being like super try hard about it or like And that's what Storm and Norman's message is about is they have to bring the white government, the American government is never going to bring it to these communities that need it. Right. They're and like, only, hey, we have to do this. Only those people in that community are going to be able to uplift those communities. And that's, too, I don't think we we talked about this, so I'll, I'll bring this up really quick, too. As soon as they get the gold 
a couple of them are like, all right, now we got to take this to the people like Norman wanted. And then there's like, like Paul at this point is like, well, no, this yeah. is mine now. Yeah. What, what do I, the system hasn't done anything for me. Yeah. So this is mine. It's forget giving them there. And Eddie too. Ours. Cause you find out Eddie's broke. Yeah. He's like, Oh no. Yeah. I, I said I had money and acted like it, but he does really. Cause the same thing, the systems fucked him over too. And he was someone who built his name to open these car dealerships. Oh, and but yeah. He stuff. had like dealerships and I think something else. Too, yeah. But, and so they're, they're instantly like, at each other's throats about it and it's like the typical like oh here the money comes in between them but it's it's for such deeper reasons yeah and because he because he's presenting you all of these supplemental tidbits i guess like through the archival footage and through the flashbacks you're kind of like caught up in all of it you can start to see both sides like you can be like okay well clearly like they didn't have anything i can understand why they would be like no i've given enough i think at this point i think yeah I'll take what's mine now. But then in the end, they all kind of realize that their part, giving to them, their community is also giving to themselves. Exactly. And that's one of the things that they say a couple of times in the movie is, is we bloods don't die. We multiply. Yeah. And like the, the way he, the way Spike Lee kind of wraps everything up with that message is really, really powerful. Like with the end, when that Marvin Gaye music cue comes in the last time and you see where, this wealth is going and you see the spread of this wealth from these, from them coming back with it. It's it's really moving. Yeah. It's a, the first one is, is, is a black lives matter meeting. Yeah. Which I want to know if he filmed that recently and just added it in and added it, it was, in yeah. or if it was there before. Would either um, surprise you? If it was, if he added it in, I mean, I would be surprised if he had it before. Cause it's, it's so eerie how this movie rings true to what is happening right now. Exactly. That's why I think like it was, it's like he made the movie in the last week. Yeah, pretty much. Like it feels (laughs) like they literally just made this movie. Like, yeah. And it's, it's insane. And there's no way. Cause it's filmed in fucking Vietnam. It's like, it it is filmed somewhere else for sure, and it's very hard to make a fucking movie. Right. Like this like, was probably made in twenty eighteen or nineteen. Yeah, yeah. But it's so on the nose, like that you have to wonder if it was added in before. But at the same time, like a lot of this stuff didn't start until the quarantine had started. So you have to imagine that And that's what's so impressive about Spike Lee though, is he I mean, eighty nine is do the right thing. Rodney King is three years later. It, yeah like <laughs> and i'm sure some shit happened in between that too because it's not like black a uh, cop started beating the shit out of black people in 1992 like that <laughs> right it's, yeah it's that's not been like going that. on for fucking ever but and that's why we're marching in the fucking streets right now because we're tired of it i'm not black i'm saying that like we're tired of like i'm tired like i've been beaten <laughs> or persecuted in that manner but we're all tired of and especially black people of right, it's police like, brutality and abuse of power. It's like once you see it, how do you unsee it? Like you're like, this is this has gone on too long. It's been too and and this yeah, this makes it all of this makes it to me like a top three Spike Lee movie because his best movies do this exact thing where they they can somehow be so timeless, but in the moment they're so relevant and biting and urgent to everything. Yeah. That, they're almost like time capsules. It's just like a time capsule in a movie. Like you can yep. watch this in 10 years and be like, Oh, that was what was going on in 2020. Okay. Like, yeah. But not only that, you can watch this at any time because it's message about the Vietnam war is very, very heavy. 
and and lasts forever. And it's an underserved side of the story. Yes. Like, there's no other movies like this about the black experience. No, there isn't. And so this, it's one that, like, I don't, it sounds corny to say essential viewing. No, it absolutely is. But I feel like this is one of those things. Like, yeah, it's two and a half hours. The man only like, makes essential viewing when it comes, like, Malcolm X, Do the Right Thing, Defy Bloods. Black Klansman. Black Klansman. I think there's a couple. He did another war movie, too, I think. It's Miracle in St. Anna. That's not that good of a movie. <laughs> <laughs> he got game he predicted not predicted uh, yeah. but like talked about like college oh yeah and exploitation yeah and like yeah all the, he got game absolutely like he's just so on the nose with so he's so plugged in with what's going on that well yeah the man's always had his ear to the streets and that's something that that's the truth roof and it's just I fall. Uh, he's a by the way, Spike Lee on Instagram is a goddamn treasure. He is. He's wonderful. <laughs> he is incredible. I was pissed. He was on. Uh, he was signing copies of the Do the Right Thing, the Criterion Collection. Okay. And I went to buy it, and I was in his store, and I had it in my cart, but it was just the regular copy. And I was like, "Fuck, is there like a signed copy?" Mm-hmm. So I back out. I look back at the Instagram post to see what it says. I go back to buy it. Gone. Sold out. Oof. Yeah, I was like, son of a bitch. That sucks. Yeah. So, so all you had to do was buy it. He signs it personally. I was like, oh, fuck me. Really? Two times. So where where would you put? So what's your top five? The top five. Number one is do the right thing. Okay. Number two is this, Defy Bloods. Number three. Number three is probably He Got Game. Mm-hmm. Number four, probably Black Klansman. And number five... 25th hour okay so my list is exactly the same as yours except for one hmm. swap 25th hour for inside man okay that's kind of like the yeah <laughs> it's but, like either or but i definitely agree 25th hour is incredible too like the ending hour. scene of edward norton given the monologue in mm-hmm. the mirror that's kind of him it's weird that i think that movie's that movie's kind of dealing with like penitentiary system and stuff like that right and it's through the eyes of a white guy, Edward Norton, no less, which is really <laughs> weird. <laughs> the voice of so, the, the imprisoned yeah. Edward Norton. Oh, or or like kind of the poster child for the Aryan nation there for a hot second because of American History X and a lot of people who took the message of that movie very, very wrong. Yeah, they've definitely missed <laughs> that one. Yeah. Um, I just wonder if I've rambled on enough about the horrors of the Vietnam War and how much I don't like the military which again well yeah i'm I really think, sorry i think we've driven i've we've driven i have point. went way into the problematic zone oh on no this yeah one. it's and, okay uh, so let's end this on an uplifting not uplifting but let's end this on like a different <laughs> note so i've been saying pretty much from like the okay so there's a scene where they're all on a boat and they're passing through like the marketplace area oh the chicken and Delroy Lindo has a flashback, like a PTSD episode, basically, where he starts screaming at one of the Vietnamese dudes because the dude is not letting up on, like, trying to sell him this chicken. Yeah. So from that point on, basically, I've had it in my head that it's going to be a grave injustice if he does not clean up at awards season for this performance. Yes. No. Because not only that, the part where he's wandering through the jungle when they go their separate ways. He's talking to himself. Talking and, to himself. Yeah. And when he's talking directly into the camera, which is Spike Lee has three things. <laughs> and the, one of them is very new. He's got a few things that are like quintessential Spike Lee. 
but one is the filming from the overhead view like the double the double crane shot or something I think yeah yeah where it looks like the person is it's like a, a parent talking to a child exactly and then uh the other is that looking directly in the camera talking to you just monologuing to you directly. to you like you are standing there talking to this person and then the third one is more recent where he's cutting in actual like historical footage footage and, and things yeah. like that yeah. and information and pictures and yeah like there's flashes in this of like murdered children and women yeah oh no no, no. this yeah. is like that's why i've been going so hard on like the vietnam was a fucking shitty war it's a pretty it had no look. purpose yeah. and it killed innocent people the the american government committed mass murder of its own people in the vietnam and of the Viet Cong in the vietnam war that's all that was so <laughs> back to zoe orlando on this so i just i don't know i really like where do you stand on that like is that do you yeah yeah no no no, no. it definitely um i see that i don't know if it's best supporting or best actor oh see i think he's because it's it it's like be. it's enough of an ensemble and i guess you could say he's the lead yeah that's but true too. really um What's his name? God damn it. <laughs> I want to call him Lester, but that's from The Wire. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, by the way, this has two actors from The Wire in it. Um, so I was pretty fucking stoked on that. Well, it's got Isaiah Whitlock. Clark Peters. Clark Peters. Clark Peters is is your main character. Yes. As Otis. As o- he's the one who's... So that's why I would say and... he, like, that's why he's best supporting mm-hmm. for Delroy. I um, can see that, too. Isaiah Whitlock, Jr., who plays Melvin plays, uh, I forget his character name in the wire, but he goes, she, and he does it in the movie too. Yep. They're like, all right, let's get you in here. I was so happy when that happened. Jonathan majors, uh, plays Delroy Lindo's son. And he's he's really, really good as well. All of this is very, very well acted except for the mind people, (laughs) the Jasper Pakanen and Melanie Thierry. Yeah. And the the Paul Walter Hauser was okay. Richard Jewell was good. Richard Jewell was pretty <laughs> funny. But the other two uh, were a little rough. But, it, yeah, I think this – who knows what's gonna, what award season is going to look like because of all this coronavirus and quarantine and stuff. Like, it might just be Tenet and Black Klansman and, like, Trolls 2. <laughs> clean up at the Oscars because the that's five all there bloods is. and because Black Klansman came out like two years. Oh, ago, right? I, sorry, I meant to say yeah, yeah the five, five bloods, bloods. Tenet, and Trolls Two, Trolls World Tour are gonna yeah. clean up because it's all that's come out. Invisible Man will win like best screenplay or and something. And the King of Staten Island. It, yeah. And oh, the, and the Hunt. The Hunt will win like best best foreign film or something foreign. weird. <laughs> yeah. They're gonna be like, all right, we don't know what to do. Okay, costume <laughs> design. Uh, the Hunt. But yeah, uh, sorry to any um, current serving or past serving fans of ours. I, again, I am not insulting you. I am insulting the institution that failed you. <laughs> and on that note, we will get out of here. Uh, this is on Netflix. Cannot recommend highly enough that, that everyone stop what you're doing and check it out over the weekend. Um, definitely worth it. It's long, but it doesn't feel long. It's two and a half hours, but it does not feel like two and a half hours is what I should say. It doesn't. It doesn't. It does go by pretty quickly. But, uh, yeah, I would say check it out. Um, and just, 
I don't know. Just, I don't even know how to wrap that up. Just I because I don't want to say just take it in because but it's a lot. Like it it can be overwhelming if you're not prepared for it. Yes, absolutely. This is like watching like I cried at the end of it. This is yeah, like I, I did. I, I cried. At I the didn't end of it. full on cry like, but I welled up pretty. Like, hard. Yeah, like, I definitely I like, did. I was. It's it's impactful. It's a hard watch if you don't like the truth. <laughs> All right, guys. On that note, we will we will wrap it up. Thank you guys for listening. Um, let us know your thoughts or your top Spike Lee movies. Uh, you can find us. Feels weird to plug stuff now after all of that, but uh, so I'll just say Twitter and Instagram. I wouldn't plug. I wouldn't tell them where to find us because that's where you're just gonna get people hating. Twitter and Instagram, <laughs> very mad at me. Just at Heiferbrew and uh, yeah. So just let us know your thoughts on the movie and Spike Lee's. I guess filmography as a whole and let us know what you think and uh, we will be back. You guys have a great weekend. Bloods don't die. We multiply. <laughs>